into A to Z Sports Primetime on a Monday. I'm your host, Buck Rising. If you're new to the show, and I'm proud as always to be presented to you by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford is the place that you go for the best in the business, for the best possible car buying experience. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com is where you go for satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. To, or Gary Ashton has the uh, has the best intel for you to succeed with the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure why the Facebook uh, Jeff Rubel says I'm here because of YouTube notifications. Yeah, I don't know why the uh, Facebook notification didn't go out tonight. But, you know, that just means we need Jeff and whomever else is on Facebook right now without the notification to share the show. But it's fine. We're going to have a good show either way. So SEC Media Day is taking place and a lot of different things that I was interested to hear from Greg Sankey on. A a really just kind of a really fascinating college football season that's ahead, especially in the SEC, because it may be the most competitive version of the SEC that we have seen. Now, when I say competitive, what do I mean? Because obviously, Alabama and Georgia have the best opportunity, uh, have the best opportunity to be able to win the conference. We know this. This is a two-team race. But beyond that, I think that the competition both in the West and in the East is as competitive as it's ever been. You have some teams that should be able to push for second and third in the SEC West, for example. Arkansas seems to be one of those teams. Texas A&M is going to have their role to play. Kentucky and Tennessee in the East probably make the most sense as the second and third teams there. But really with a lot of different styles and programs in different places, this seems like, I think, the best version of the haves and have-nots that the SEC has had in quite some time. So I want to ask you guys this on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch in the comment section, if you would be so inclined to get involved. Let me know how you feel about the circumstance with the SEC at this time of year. What do you find to be the most compelling storyline in the SEC this year? You let us know in the comment section, and we will talk about it together, the most compelling storyline in the the SEC. It's your Two Rivers Ford take. It is made possible by Two Rivers Ford each and every night of which we are very grateful. So what do you find to be the most compelling storyline? Because I have a few that come to mind when I think about this conference. Uh, But first, I want you to watch this clip of Greg Sankey talking about the SEC itself. But in this environment, I'm proud to say, in my view, and I think in the view of our entire membership, the Southeastern Conference is stronger now than at any other time in our history. We're poised to grow to 16 members on July 1st, 2025. This expansion keeps the SEC in contiguous states, which supports a reasonable geography among like-minded universities and keeps us confident that fan interest will continue to grow in our communities, in our region, in this country, and literally across the globe. So 
So that's Greg Sankey talking about the state of the SEC right now. And looking at this, it you know, he's he's very correct in his assessment. The SEC in Notre Dame, by the way, it was just breaking news as we were uh, as we were sitting in here uh talking about this uh talking about the SEC. Um and in the middle of this, ESPN has just broken the story that and let me pull up the notification. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 won't partner as talks end. A talks officially end. That's according to Pete Thamel about six minutes ago. So what that speaks to is the position that the SEC is in, right? They and Notre Dame are in the best position of leverage. They are going to be able to dictate their terms. Now, their current media rights deal, um, or the new version, the next version of their media rights deal, will begin in 2024 when they absorb the CBS SEC conference rights. Uh, and so for ESPN, that will include Texas and Oklahoma when that comes to uh, when that comes to bear in 2025. And by the way, which seems to be on track. So what's the most compelling storyline besides conference realignment? Uh, Mark Jones says Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman, top returning duo of wide receiver and quarterback in the SEC. Second year under Hypel, fast-paced offense. The sky is the limit for this team. Well, no, second place in the SEC East is the limit for this team because Georgia still exists. But I do think they get, you know, we talked about this on air today. I think if Tennessee has, you know, a, a an average scoring defense, I think that Tennessee can absolutely give Georgia a run for their money. I, they should still be Georgia. The Bulldogs should still be the clear and obvious favorite in the SEC East. Bar none, right? And Alabama should probably be favored over Georgia in the in the conference as a whole. But I think for the purposes, uh, I think for the purposes of Tennessee, I think Tennessee is a fascinating, just kind of case study this year to see how much further they can improve. And really, the defense being the biggest question there. Um, for so, what is the most interesting storyline in the SEC this year? Uh, Jeff Rubel, not going SEC, but bringing up a, a report from earlier that Notre Dame wants $75 million a year from NBC on a new media deal to keep them independent into the foreseeable future. You know, I think with Peacock, they'll probably do it, Jeff. I, th- I think that Notre Dame is negotiating from the position of strength here. I really do. Now, $75 million a year. What so what the Big Ten the reported Big Ten deal is a hundred million dollars a year for each of the member institutions with a billion dollar media rights deal from Fox. Um, seventy five does seem super high, but I would think that seventy five million dollars a year that Notre Dame is requesting Notre Dame is probably going to get close to that figure. I would think. Uh, in some form or fashion, and it's if you know, but if nothing else, it's a good leverage point for you to start from because, like I said, Notre Dame does have considerable leverage here. So, as far as I'm concerned, I think the most interesting dynamic in the SEC this year is what we talked about. I really think there's a ton of parity. I think this is as a competitive top to bottom as I've seen. Now, Vandy is probably, you know, Vandy's probably still going to struggle to win two conference games at any given point, right? Vanderbilt is in a class unto itself. We we know this. But Missouri at 6 and 6 and we'll spend some time on coaches under pressure. Missouri is probably the next tier of have-nots 
in the SEC, Missouri and Mississippi State, Auburn. And you would still look at any of those schools and think, yeah, they're capable of winning seven games if things go correctly for them down the stretch. Now, how much beyond seven games, especially in the West, with Mississippi State, who does return a lot, and Auburn, who's just a, a weird, a weird, always a weird experience. Zach, Gal, uh, Zach Calzada, the Texas A&M transfer quarterback, going over to Auburn because Bo Nix went to Oregon to play for Dan Lanning in the transfer portal this offseason. That is also another interesting kind of dynamic to add to the Brian Harson story. But let's talk about coaches under pressure. Uh, let's get into that in the comments on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, well, quickly, first, I need to tell you about the people who just made your Two Rivers Ford take possible. That is, of course, Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford, by the way, we love Two Rivers Ford. Not just because they're the best in the business, not just because they are uh, the place to go for award-winning customer service and for quality American-made Ford vehicles and one of the state's largest selections, but because Two Rivers Ford not only is bringing their Two Rivers Ford bowling team to Brooklyn Bowl on Wednesday, but they also purchased four more tickets for listeners to be able to win on the radio show tomorrow. So if you have not bought your tickets for Brooklyn Bowl on Wednesday, Two Rivers Ford, because they are fantastic people and charitable people, they have purchased a four-pack of tickets for a listener to win tomorrow at 10.45 a.m. on the radio show. We're doing winners and losers of the sports weekend. So courtesy of Two Rivers Ford, we're going to make that possible. We love them. You will too, especially if you purchase your new vehicle from them. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. And thank you to Two Rivers Ford again. Really, I do appreciate that. All right, so who is under the most pressure in the SEC? I think in the SEC, it is, it's a really, it's a really kind of, I don't know. There's one name that pops into my mind. Now, Steven 1986 says Mike Leach. And, <clears throat> you know, I think that Mike Leach has the potential to flame out very quickly in a league like the SEC. Now, he is, by the way, he's going to be on the podium tomorrow. We're carrying his press conference during the radio show because you know he's going to say something interesting about all this conference realignment. I can't wait to hear how he goes about conducting his press conference then. But it with Mike Leach, he he does seem like he is going to be able to cause some problems. Like it does typically take him a couple of years to, to kind of catch his stride. Now, what ends up being the ceiling at Mississippi State with Mike Leach? I, I have no earthly idea what the appropriate assessment should be for them. All I know is that they do return a fair amount, and for a system like Leach's, continuity is what you would prefer. So I would say, you're probably right. I think that if Heupel, uh, if uh, if Josh Heupel, you know, if something goes awry the way it did for Jeremy Pruitt, I think the pressure could be turned up on Josh Heupel very, very quickly. Jeff Rubel brings up Brian Harson, um, who, of course, already seems like he is under fire from Auburn boosters and message boards that seem to want him out. But looking at this specifically, Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz are the names that popped into my head because I think that in the couple of years that he has been there, 
They have recruited at a higher level than Missouri typically does, but the success on the field hasn't been prevalent. As far as the University of Missouri, man, I'm so excited about entering year three at the University of Missouri. Although we've had changes in both staff and players, there is a continuity to our program. There's a foundation to the program that we have and instilled. There is a, this is how we do it around here. There's an understanding of what it's going to take to have and train with an elite edge with Coach Russell. There's an understanding of what we expect on the offense and defensive side of the ball. There's an understanding of what it's going to be like to, um, to, to excel in our academics and what are our requirements. We've added 19 transfers to our program to, to balance our roster from people that have left, but also to uh, increase the competition. We signed the highest ranked recruiting class in school history for the last two seasons, and we looked for that increased talent to uh, increase the style of play that we're going to have. So he's correct about the recruiting. Like he's clearly up there citing his uh, clearly up there citing his his accomplishments as opposed to his failures. But you know, Missouri Missouri does have decent athletic pro athletic tradition um, that hasn't been prevalent. I mean, they were just playing. They they were just playing for. I can't remember if they played in the SEC title game like within within the last ten years. I want to say that they were that they had won the SEC East, or at least were pushing for the SEC East while I was in college because they were a ranked football team. Indiana played them. I I can't remember at what point, but Indiana did play Missouri while I was in college. It was a win for Indiana, and in, uh, in a way that was shocking to me, I had no idea that Missouri was ranked. So it's been they, – they have had success – in the SEC. Now that was under a different coaching regime. And uh, I think it was Gary Pinkle was the coach at the time. Um, this is, this is stretching my, my, co- my college years memory further than I have in quite some time. But anyway, I think that uh, Missouri does have standards, even if they have been one of the more underperforming programs in the East in recent memory, 2013, Stephen says in 1986, did they win the SEC East? Is that what happened, Stephen? Maybe Reed could uh, provide some uh, some context there. Because I do remember them having a successful year in college football and looking around and being like, oh, okay, how about Missouri? Um, and it's not like Missouri's ever been like awful that I can remember. I think they've always had reasonably competitive football teams. But anyway, I don't want to get caught up in we – can, we can talk about Missouri another day. I think Eli Drinkwitz is under pressure, though in the SEC this year. I think he's prop uh, Brian Harson is probably <sighs> Brian Harson's probably under more if I'm being honest if I'm reconsidering this just because there is so much there are so many strange things that go on at Auburn and their boosters meddle uh horrendously. Uh Bryce Erickson says I was waiting for the notification from Facebook. I didn't get one. Was wondering why the live was so yeah, I don't know what happened with Facebook tonight apparently. Uh, the notifications did not go out on Facebook tonight. But those of you who sought us out, we appreciate you doing so anyway. Um, but it's fine. You can watch on YouTube. You can watch on Twitch. we got people there as well. So in just kind of putting a bow on this, Brian Harson is probably under the most pressure in the West. I would say in the East, uh, you would have to look at Missouri being the being the primary, uh, the primary example of a regime that may be in flux. All right, so let's wrap things up. Let's go over uh, what Lane Kiffin and Brian Kelly had to say. Brian Kelly's first media days 
of any kind in 12 years. Last time Brian Kelly did any kind of a media day, because of course Notre Dame is independent, he uh, was the coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats when they were still in the Big East. That has been, I think, two conferences ago because they were most recently in the American. And now Cincinnati is going to play in the Big 12. But anyway, Lane Kiffin and Brian Kelly, as, as well as Eli Drinkwitz, spoke to the media today. The question that we have for you this evening is, who had a better performance at SEC Media Days, Lane Kiffin or Brian Kelly? Now, if you did not see these comments, I'm going to play clips from both of their pressers because we did, uh, we we had Brian Kelly on the radio show, but I did not get to see the full press conference with Lane Kiffin, although I'm sure he did great. Who had the better performance at SEC Media Days? Let me know in the comments on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. We will talk about it together right after I remind you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com, that's where you go for your dream address without the stress. The Ashton team will put you in a position to succeed with the Intel edge that only they can provide. Gary Ashton has the Intel to help you sell your current home and then find your new one, even in a red-hot Nashville real estate market. They have the Intel to help you win the buyer battle and to cash in on your home equity right now. The Ashton team is the best for a reason. They're the official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators, of A to Z Sports Primetime, and of my radio show because they go above and beyond. I trust the Ashton team. You should too at GaryAshton.com. So who had a better performance today at SEC Media Days? Derek R says he's just happy to see football back. And I think that's reasonable. So uh, both were asked a variety of different questions, and I thought Brian Kelly, specifically on NIL and LSU's ability to compete when it came to finances, I thought this was the most interesting thing that I heard from Brian Kelly today. Uh, it's been kind of documented, maybe LSU or the collective of NIL of LSU doesn't have as much funds as other schools. How do you overcome that, and have you run into a situation yet where maybe you were outbid for a player, and how do you overcome that? First of all, I don't know that we don't have as many funds. Um, nobody has given me, you know, any kind of documentation that we're behind. I feel very comfortable, quite honestly, as I stand here, you know, talking to you that, um, you know, what we're doing relative to NIL is as competitive uh, as anybody else. Um, I don't feel like we're being outbid uh, by anybody. Uh, I don't think that's the place of NIL uh, anyway. So if we were being outbid, then we're going to be outbid if we have $50 million in our collective. So I don't feel hamstrung uh, by that. Uh, I want to continue to educate uh, with NIL. Uh, I want to be able to use the resources wisely uh, to help promote name, image, and likeness. and. And, and have that available uh, for our student-athletes um, when, when, when the time comes. So Brian Kelly doesn't think they're going to get outbid at LSU when it comes to NIL deals. And, you know, the reality of the situation is probably right. LSU has one of the most uh, successful athletic departments in the country. They have a booster and donor base that is crazy. 
they pay a lot of money for the best coaches humanly possible, and they fight to keep them. In the cases of Will Wade, who was under a lot of fire for a lot of different reasons in the basketball program, they bring in people who are controversial. Kim Mulkey um, at Baylor is somebody who is regarded, well, during COVID, was regarded as a a bit of a, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. She just didn't seem to understand everything that was going on or didn't care, which is a different conversation entirely. But they will pay for the best. Kim Mulkey, by far and away, one of the best and most successful college basketball coaches. Uh, Brian Kelly, certainly in that same class, right? That's big money coach with proven resume, college football playoff appearances, national championship game appearance. Like Brian Kelly is a proven commodity. And so now Brian Kelly gets the opportunity to compete at LSU with athletes that have zero academic restrictions um, coming into his program. And so we'll see whether Brian Kelly is as good a coach as we have given him credit for in years past with talent that I think uh, has been consistently inferior to the comp- the competitors at the highest levels of the sport. Um, and listen, academic requirements at Notre Dame or Vanderbilt or Stanford, all those things matter. Be curious to see how much it affects the academic schools who are competitive in athletics when it comes to things like the transfer portal, however, because that's going to complicate some things, I would think. Then there's Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, who's also talking about NIL and uh, has been very vocal about it and the fact that 100% of kids in high school are making their decisions off of NIL money, when, of course, that seems a bit hyperbolic. But Lane is passionate about this, and Lane wants to provide solutions, as he tried to do so today. You mentioned right off the the top um, the importance of the transfer portal and and filling some holes on on your roster this year. I'm wondering, in in the last year, what changes have you seen and your discussions with potential transfers of the NIL? And what do you think the coach's role uh, should be in in, in that whole discussion? Hmm. Well, what should the coach's role be in that discussion? I mean, I think ideally, if we're going to be in an NIL world and somehow you're going to do it right and it's going to get capped, you know, so that there's some way of controlling it and keeping playing fields close to the same. Um, otherwise, you're just going to have these glaring differences within Division One football um, based off of their, what I've said before, their salary cap. I know that's not really the right word. Uh, and ideally, I would think that the coach should be part of managing that. That's, you know, how you would want it done, but I don't know if it'll be that way or whatever. So that's just how I would do, and that's based off of look what happens in professional sports. There's salary caps and the coach and the general manager slash owner manage that. The other thing about that too is if it's not, I would say, okay, well, why would you put it that way when coaches aren't supposed to be involved in that? Well, you got a whole other set of problems. If you got boosters out there deciding who they're going to pay to come play and the coach isn't involved in it, how's that work? I mean, they could just go pick who they want and pay them however much and then are they going to tell you the boost is going to tell you who to play to and then when they don't play how's that going to work out so again this was not thought out at all in my opinion and has created a massive set of issues um, which I think most when people really thought about it from a coach's standpoint could have predicted this um, was going to happen 
So that's Lane Kiffin talking about the NIL situation and what he believes the coach's role should be. And I think every, I think most people would agree about, about Lane Kiffin's assessment, even if you're a Vols fan, you don't like Lane Kiffin, right? Um, Eric asked Jones immediately. Lane Kiffin is a, uh, I assume that you meant to type a big baby as opposed to a very baby, but I still understood your descriptor. Crybaby, even better. See, there it is right there for me in the comment section. A crybaby. Yeah, but I mean, you you can you can despise him or you can hate him or you can uh, you know just generally not like Lane or think he's a a pain in the ass or whatever you think Lane Kiffin is and you can also know that Lane's right right like I think that's the kind of you have to remove how you feel about the individual personally and focus on the words that he's saying Lane Kiffin is correct in his assessment that in a perfect world there would be some kind of a salary cap that can balance these things out. There were no rules. He's correct in his assessment. The NCAA allowed this stuff to run wild. And then thinks they're going to be able to come in after the fact and kind of legislate how things go down, which of course is stupid. They've already allowed these things to kind of spiral. So I think that you can be completely reasonable about Lane Kiffin in a number of different ways. Lane Kiffin may not be your favorite person, but Lane Kiffin is probably right about this. I thought I thought both of their both of their press conferences were interesting. Lane Kiffin and Brian Kelly's. I must admit, I did not I did not watch Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, and it's nothing personal against Coach Drinkwitz. I just of the of the of the two that I wanted to see today, those were the two. And I we we played like half an hour of Greg Sankey going through all the different things in the SEC, which by the way was interesting, but also at, at a certain point, enough of the press conferences. Um, you know, it's like, I, I do this once a year for my job anyway, with combine, there's only so much of, I can, of, uh, of it I can take in the sec, but interesting and informing and gets us one step closer to football. All right. On the way out the door quickly, a reminder, we are, I am told 10 tickets away from selling out the Brooklyn bowl event. 10 tickets is all you guys showed up. You stepped up in ways that I could not be more appreciative for. If you have not bought your tickets, we are expecting to sell out before Wednesday. What you get with your tickets, three hours of bowling from 6 to 9 p.m. You get uh, free food, free drinks, raffle tickets for fantastic prizes. I've heard about SummerSlam. WWE SummerSlam tickets are, uh, are what we're giving away at the Brooklyn Bowl event. Concert tickets to a variety of different kind of show. So if you have not bought your tickets yet, 1045thezone.com, let's get those 10. That would make 75 of you and your closest friends chopping it up at Brooklyn Bowl on Wednesday for a charitable cause, the Church at Mount Carmel and their free youth summer camp program. So thank you guys for those of you who bought tickets already. Do so if you want to come out and hang out with us. We would love to have you, certainly. Coach Mack, Ramon Foster, Darren Bates, Josh Black, so many of our friends, producer Reed, Austin and Zach, they're going to be there. I think Zach's going to be there. We'll have to see if uh, engagement Zach or vacation Zach, whatever we're calling Zach these days, is available uh, for the event. But we're looking forward to having all of you guys there who are able to attend and appreciate you all who have donated to the charitable cause anyway. Thank you for doing so. All right, radio show tomorrow. Dawn Davenport, she's live down in Atlanta for SEC Media Days. We're going to have Mike, Leach, Mike Leach's press conference. We are going to have Mike Felder. We're going to talk some actual football, X's and O's, about the upcoming season, the best matchup. So be there from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone.
See you guys. Thank you so much. By the way, check out the podcast wherever it is that you get podcasts in the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. One more show to do. We'll do it tomorrow. Have a great night.